0: Welcome to Heart Shoots by Vertex. This is where we peel the layers and uncover raw, unobvious industry insights and venture capital knowledge across Southeast Asia and India. We interview some of the world's top leaders in tech, innovation, and capital formation to hear the stories of enlightening discoveries, as well as aha moments to help early stage entrepreneurs navigate their building journey. If you like what you hear, please click follow or subscribe Hi, I'm
1: Elise Tan, and I'm your host for this episode of Heart True Five Vertex Podcast. So I'm really glad to have Amit Sharma, uh, founder and CEO of Kapiva. So Kapiva is a modern uh, Ayurvedic brand and a leading one in India. We invested in Kapiva a while ago. So today we're going to learn more about what Amit have been up to, as well as um, learn more about this space in the health and wellness So, Hamid, nice to meet you.
2: Pleasure to be here, Elise. Thanks for having me.
1: You really come with a certain experience that maybe other founders didn't have. So maybe you can quickly tell us more about, um, you know, what was your journey before Kapiva?
2: Sure. Uh, So, yeah, Elise, so I grew up uh, in Calcutta. I did my undergrad in the US at NYU. Uh, Post my undergrad, actually, like I said, my family has been involved in manufacturing and selling Ayurvedic products almost about now 105 plus years, right? Uh, So I've spent about six years uh, working with them, uh, you know, kind of in every function in the family business, Uh, family business is a very large group of people, right? It's uh, started by my grandfather. So now in my generation and generation after me, it's like uh, more than 30, 40 people who are involved in the business. So it's a large amount of people. But that was a great experience. I learned a lot and that business is purely about product quality, right? There's almost no marketing there. The entire mindset is about procuring and product quality, not even R&D based, but more procurement based, right? Getting the best quality raw materials and best manufacturing practices, right? The best quality product possible. So I got a lot of learning from there about consumer understanding and actually building the best product possible. Uh, post that I did my MBA at NCR, and then I worked in McKinsey for a few years, right? McKinsey really gave me that kind of ability to look at data and analyze things in a better way, take a large problem, break it into smaller pieces, and then really kind of uh, solve it more effectively. So I think that was a great combination of, you know, a traditional business with the right values and the right kind of consumer thought process, as well as, you know, a new age approach to looking at data and kind of really, you know, leveraging, uh, insights uh, more effectively and at scale and in a structured way. Uh, So I think that really kind of helped. And I think combination of those two was, I feel uh, very helpful from in my journey.
1: How did you discover that this is an opportunity to start Kapiva? And then uh, when was that?
2: Sure. So at least, you know, Ayurveda, uh, which is India's traditional medicine system, is a very, very large category in India. But uh, what we f- saw, you know, a few uh, years ago was that it was still a very traditional category catering to primary, primarily, primarily older generation. And there was a gap, you know, which needed to be bridged for the younger generation to actually start using and, uh, you know, consuming Ayurvedic uh, products and medicines. Right. Ayurveda done right requires guidance. Ayurveda done right requires a lot of focus on sourcing and ingredients and things like that. I was a big believer in Ayurveda and I noticed that everybody that I knew in my age group believed in Ayurveda, but nobody was currently using Ayurveda, right? At the same time, there was this funny, uh, you know, conundrum where people were suffering from more and more lifestyle issues, right? So we saw things like, you know, hair fall, uh, weight, sugar, right? Blood pressure. These were problems people are getting at a younger and younger age. Ayurveda has very good solutions to these problems, primarily through good nutrition. And people wanted to take Ayurveda, but they didn't know how to. So I would get so many calls, right? Just random calls that, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm getting high sugar. I have pre-diabetes. What should I do? If I want to buy an Ayurvedic product, either I go online, do a bunch of research, right? Or I go to Ayurvedic doctor, which is, you know, very difficult to find. Uh, you know, not really available, especially in larger cities and don't really understand modern lifestyle, right? A doctor, I go to Ayurveda, the doctor, he'll be like, okay, uh, stop doing everything, right? <laughs> Start waking up at 5 a.m. and uh, change your entire life around, which which people can't do. Uh, average person was not able to do. So I saw this huge opportunity to make Ayurveda kind of more relatable and more usable for a younger generation and actually bring it into the 21st century. So what we like to believe is that we are building the future of Ayurveda, right? Uh, not only by creating the best product possible product by using scientific methods for R and D, procurement, product development, but also creating a very seamless journey for a customer to find the right product. So that's the big opportunity that we saw uh, on day one. For, uh, that's how kind of the company was uh, founded. It's been five years, so now we use everything. We do we do hundred thousand plus consultations. Uh, we use AI. To help uh, guide consumers through their kind of uh, Ayurveda journey, both pre and post purchase, uh, as well as uh, you know having a very uh, detailed health coach team uh, to kind of help c- consumers in any touch point where they have to solve the healthcare needs. Industry is valued anywhere between uh, ten to fifteen billion, uh, depending what you include. That's a rough number,
1: right? And then uh, this is very different from Western medicine. So how do you make sure that people are compliant? You know, they stay on the products
2: very good question so what is Ayurveda at the end of the day right Ayurveda is actually good nutrition right fruit root leaves so it's, it's actually very very high quality nutrition if you want to solve your stomach through good food it's going to take time right so let's say you add spinach to your diet or you add fiber to your diet right you're not going to get results in one day after a month two months of eating healthy your stomach will start functioning better 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 so you know if you're taking ingestible health for skin it'll take two three weeks to even see the first signs of it, right? What we've developed here, right, is the entire process, the entire protocol we developed, not only pushes product and education, but a big part of that education is actually this simple thing that it takes time. And we do a lot of interventions in the journey to get kind of ensure adherence, right? So everything from a health coach calling the person after one month, right, saying that you would have seen A, B, C, D impact in the first month, but to see more impact, you need to kind of restock to us making an automated AI-based journey through WhatsApp, uh, an email, right? To keep the person motivated and to push adherence, right? So promoting adherence and even on an app, right? So we have a for a weight management product, we have a four-balance program on an app, which will give you reminders to take the product, which will help you track progress, and which will actually keep you motivated, right? To actually go through the entire journey. So we've actually built an entire tech and human-led journey post-purchase with the with the one clear intention to push and make people understand the importance of what
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is definitely, you know, going above and beyond the usual direct-to-consumer products that I heard about. When did you meet Vertex? And I think maybe the first person you met, was it um, Kanika? Uh,
2: Yeah, I clearly spoke to Kanika initially. Uh, So I was introduced to Vertex by our first investors, which was Fireside, right? So they had to connect and, you know, uh, I've always respected Fireside because, you know, I always found them to be, uh very entrepreneur first and when they make a recommendation i took it seriously right and, and then i found some of those same great values in vertex right where they were very much uh, entrepreneur first you know they wanted to understand how the company functioned right they were more than just your uh, very very typical financial investors. they had more insights and thoughts and i really connected well you know with kanika when i spoke to her so uh, it was quite a uh, uh, i would say you know destined journey so uh we were just about to start our round, right, at that time. This was about three years ago, roughly, uh, two and a half, three years ago. We were just about to start our round, and uh, uh, basically, you know, we spoke to Vertex right before that. And uh, we started the round, and we had actually decided to go with Vertex within one week. So we didn't actually end up, uh, <laughs> so we moved really quickly, and, yeah, I haven't looked back since. I think it's been a fantastic journey. Uh, they've been really supportive. You know, there have been times in the business where we've had to take a few decisions, and... You know, I've come to the board and told them that, you know, uh, uh, we need to kind of do a few things, which, you know, average investor might balk at, but I think they were very, very supportive and it's paid off.
1: That's great to know. And I think that um, definitely Kanika has been a, you know, great partner for Vertex. She's been bringing a lot of great brands, D2C and other verticals startups to our uh, uh, Vertex family. Yeah. I also know that uh, you got Malaka Aurora, who is a you know fitness guru, on board. So that's amazing. How did you manage to you know convince her to be on board?
2: I never wanted to get celebrities on board. I wanted us to be expert led. You know, not celebrity led, right? Either expert led or genuinely people who are using the product, right? I want them to talk about their experiences, right? That's always been my belief. Uh, so you know, I was initially very clear that celebrity is a path we don't want to go down, right? But funnily enough, I met Malaika through another entrepreneur. And it turns out she was one of our first consumers. So she started using Kapiva back in 2017, right? And and I met her and I started talking to her and she's like, Oh, I love your products. And she actually had a little book, an Ayurveda book, (laughs) which she would follow. So I realized very quickly that she's a genuine user of Ayurveda, right? She's not somebody who's going to come and just endorse the brand, right? If she's coming on board, she's saying, she's saying it and she's an actual consumer of this product. So then I found that to be a much better fit, right? So that's how the relationship started. And uh, at that time, we have we were just launching our skin and hair vertical, right? Which was primarily a very different take on skin and hair. So the whole point of view of Ayurveda is that your skin is an organ, right? What you put on it only lasts for 28 days. So if you want complete skin health, ingesting is more important than what you put on it, right? Because that will actually help your overall health of your skin to get better, so uh, she came on board to help us launch that vertical. Uh, it was a very successful launch. She helped us kind of grow that very aggressively, and I think the reason was that she was a genuine customer and she was a genuine user, so it worked out well.
1: Yeah, I think it's amazing to know that she is one of your first supporter, and then now if being invested in the brand. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, it has been almost six years. What are some of the hard truths you learn along the way in building, you know, a, a high-performing D2C brand?
2: You know, I think a couple of things that immediately come into mind, right? Uh, at least if I think about it, is that I think uh, when you want to build something, right? I think a lot of companies in the early days don't focus enough on product. I think that's the first thing I'll say, right? I think a lot of people focus a lot on Okay, how do I market this product? You know, how do I sell this product, right? But you really need to get into the nuts and bolts, right? Of what is the product? Is it the best product that I can potentially make, right? So we spend a lot of time and effort into everything from procuring the right raw material to making sure the formulation is best in class, doing clinical studies on the formulations, doing a lot of consumer tests and consumer feedback, right? Taking that very, very seriously. So I think uh, what I noticed, Today is that to some extent, you know, people need to spend a little bit more blood, sweat and tears on the product itself, right? Uh, And it might take longer to go to market, but, you know, you'll be able to kind of go to market a lot faster. I think the second hard truth is that, you know, product market fit is something that you really need to spend time and effort building, right? Many companies that I saw, right, uh, today is that to some extent, they have maybe 70, 75% product market fit, right? But uh, they are able to grow through funding, through burn, right? Uh, so to some extent, that masks real product market fit. You know what I mean? So I would tell companies that, hey, you know, spend a lot of time making sure that you've actually built a product that is exactly what the consumer needs. And you've built a product that actually solving a, truly solving a consumer pain point, right? Enough for a consumer to actually pay a premium for it without getting a significant amount of discount advertising, Right. Spend that extra time figuring out product market fit. There are a lot of smaller things like the importance of data, uh, importance of customer understanding and the voice of customer. But I think uh, those are the two main things that come to mind uh, for building a successful startup.
1: Definitely made a lot of sense. And I love the product-led approach because that really kind of built a good foundation for the business. You also mentioned about how, I guess, um, you really built everything from from ground up, you know, instead of really, uh, you know, looking for brand advocates case and all that, because this could be really short term kind of uh, marketing strategies. So, it's, yeah, so I really like that. So how many SQUs do, does a Capiba now have?
2: So we have a very large R&D team where we are constantly trying out new products, new formulations, right? So on our own D2C website, we would also have about 20, 25 products, which are on soft launch phase at any given time. Right. So soft launch means that we've done R&D, we've done our consumer work, but we're not marketing that product. We're actually still assessing product market fit. So the process we follow is, so we have about 40 SQs officially being marketed, being sold, out of which five get the majority of kind of uh, revenue and marketing. And then we have about any given time, 20, 25 products, which are developed fully, but are still finding the exact product market fit. So they're available. R&D has built them, but they're not being marketed. That's the overall structure that we follow.
1: That's cool. And would you say that your consumers are mainly from tier one cities or you have now also expanded to tier two, tier three?
2: When we started the company a few years ago, right? uh, The thought process was that, okay, we are roughly about 30 to 40% premium, right? To let's say a mass brand. So obviously the customer who's going to buy us is going to be more from a metro or from a tier one city, right? Uh, So a lot of our marketing, a lot of our D2C, we were focused towards tier one right but uh, about two years ago we started finding that organically tier two tier three started growing more and more and more so in the last year we started kind of investing more into tier two tier three and you'll be surprised to know that on our own website for example majority of revenue comes from tier two tier three now so about 55 percent. so only about 45 percent comes from metro tier one and the reason is that uh, number one what we find is that if your product is deli- delivering a health benefit people are very much willing to pay a premium the second thing that we kind of uh, found was that there is also a lack of choice in uh, tier 2 tier 3 cities right so in tier one cities you know people like our products are available much easier in offline as well right so o- online becomes a larger kind of uh, channel for d2c uh, for tier 2 tier 3 because they're not able to get as much choice in their uh, average offline store right so they look to D2C, get access to more uh, kind of products.
1: Wow, interesting. And uh, are you also available outside of India now?
2: We are just launched in the Middle East and we are doing a large uh, a large launch in the US actually. And what we found is that, you know, a lot of Ayurvedic ingredients, right, be it ashwagandha, turmeric, have already become very large in the US. And a lot of new ingredients are actually come, becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And what we found is that we actually have a lot of the R&D backend and knowledge
1: to actually take Ayurveda Global. That's super exciting. And I'm just wondering, you know, in terms of uh, the hard truths about running D2C brands, do you think there are elements of luck and the hype, the, the element of timing? Because for Capiva, if uh, it was launched previously when wellness hasn't been uh, something that people are aware, then, you know, would it look very different?
2: I absolutely like it. you have to do a lot of things right. Get the right product, understand your customer need correctly, get your go- to market strategy right, get your communication strategy right. But you can get all of those things right. But if the macroeconomic factors are not with you, you will it's like almost impossible to succeed. I think there are a lot of people who've done a fantastic job, but they were not there at the right place, at the right time. so they so they struggled. So I think one big uh, factor for us has definitely been that we've done this at the right time. when the people are more people are getting more and more conscious, about healthcare, people are actually spending more and more on, you know, living healthy. And also there's a generally larger need for healthcare supplements, right? Because the fact of the matter is that we are working longer hours than ever before. Our quality of food is reducing, uh, pollution levels are going up, right? So we are living in an unprecedented time, right? Where we do need support, right? To actually live our best and live healthy. Uh, So yeah, I think definitely macroeconomic factors or tailwinds, as I like to call it, are very, very important uh, for any company to kind of take off.
1: We are really glad that we found you at the right time. (laughs) uh, Yeah, and uh, besides that, I just wonder, you mentioned about product market fit, right? So I think a lot of people who listen to our podcast, they are entrepreneurs. So how do you know when there are signs of a product market fit?
2: In the early days, right? For me, it was a very simple explanation, right? If you don't have product market fit, you're constantly figuring out how to sell, right? If you have product market fit, your biggest problem is how to supply.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, cool.
2: It's a a very uh, simplistic way of thinking, but literally the day where, you know, you're like, okay, uh, this is the growth. How do I kind of make my supply chain work? That's when you know you've hit something, right? The minute you're every day struggling to actually sell that next piece, right? It's not because you're doing a bad job. It's probably because your the problem, the value proposition you're offering is not something that people are responding to, right? But I think now there's also a quantitative way to define it, right? Uh, the, the bar that I would put right as an entrepreneur is that uh, the money that I'm raising, right? Am I raising this money to find product market fit or to grow, right? And the way to figure it out is a simple CAC LTV calculation, right? So let's say if your CAC LTV, right, is breaking even, let's say in six months, okay, or five months or four months, right? uh, Then you have the option to grow the company slightly slower, but profitably, right? So you're raising money actually, because you're spending more on acquisition, you're acquiring people faster, and that's why you're burning, you're burning to grow, right? The second, your unit economics don't make sense in that way. That means you don't have product market fit. Right, so now I think with data and with the right insights, you can actually quantifiably define it. Right, that am I am I burning money as a way to acquire more people faster, or am I burning money because my customer payback is either too long or not happening? You know, so I think that's a tough question you need to ask yourself. And uh, yeah, I would say that as you grow larger and larger, that's the better way of defining it.
1: Oh, I really love the way you use data to quantify product market fit. This is the first, you know, I have been able to get it so clearly from an entrepreneur that I interviewed. So great. Um, I also want to ask you, you know, were there any memorable customer moments while you're building Kapiva in the last uh, five to six years?
2: And that's something that keeps us going all the time and gets us really motivated, right? So we use Slack as an organization and we have a centralized group in Slack where almost the entire company is present, Right. And every single customer review, right, be it on our website, be it on Amazon, be it on QC, gets uploaded for the entire company to read on a live basis, right? So we are reading customer reviews every day. We are getting hundreds and hundreds and thousands of customer reviews, right? And we are very happy to say 90% of them are overwhelmingly positive. And they're overwhelmingly positive where we've actually solved the health need for a customer. So when a customer comes with high blood sugar and you're able to reduce their blood sugar, or when a customer comes with high BMI and you're able to help them lose weight, the importance of that in their life is so much more, right? So the customer stories that we hear, right, are so inspiring and inspire us to kind of, you know, do better. And at the same time, when you get a b- bad review, that inspires us to do better you know, on a daily basis that, you know, the entire organization looking at it. We do RCA, okay, why did it not work for this customer? We also do something called Golden Hour, right, where every week we spend... Uh, uh, sometime looking at the best customer and the worst customer journey, right? So, what can we do better as an organization, and what and look at some of the achievements we've made as an organization? So, the customer is at the heart of everything we do, right? So, uh, I would say it's something that on a daily basis uh, inspires us and helps us do better.
1: This is great, and you know, I really love the customer centricity of the of the company, and really, this is so important. I wanted to ask you. I was reading about the Glow Mix product, which uh. You know, within three months of launching, it it garnered like significant revenue. So what happened then? Was it like, um, uh, you already understand why it's a product market fit and that's why it did well?
2: So I think it all starts with a real consumer insight, right? What is the consumer pain point that is not being addressed today by what's there in the market? And how do I effectively address that pain point, right? So Glomix was one such example. Initially, we started with a very healthcare-focused approach, right? So skin and hair was not beauty, was not really a focus, you know, from uh, a company point of view, let's say, until two years ago, right? But a lot of our customers reached out to us and said, you know what, Uh, can you guys also start looking at beauty products, right? Like, uh, I really believe in the brand. I love the brand. You know, would you look at beauty? Would you look at beauty? So after our 1,000 to 10,000 requests, we said, okay, you know, let's start a bottom-up process of understanding that what is the opportunity in beauty right what we very quickly found right was that the gap was that there are a lot of brands selling uh, beauty topical products right and some of them actually were doing a good job they were selling good quality products as well but let me give you an example right let's say acne which is a perennial issue right then almost there's very little you can do about acne externally right so, there's big, two big uh, issues that lead to acne, right? One is gut health, that your stomach is bad, right? You have acid, you have gut issues that actually come up in your face. Or the second big one is actually PCOS, right? Uh, which leads to acne, right? That's the two major form of reasons for acne. So, applying something to your face is a very short-term solution, right? You're hoping that your body will sort out the problem. Nobody was actually looking at root causes. We actually found that, look, let's take a scientific approach to beauty, Right? it will require a little bit of education, right? That's fine. That's a challenge we took up. So when we started the product, right, we decided to do a campaign and that's why we got Malaika in, because we realized that we needed education. And people saw real results, right? For so the for the first time. So we found that people who bought us two years ago continue to use the product, right? So uh, it was actually getting to the root of the problem, taking a very consumer-first spe- uh, consumer approach and actually solving the consumer pain point from a score, right? And that's what we kind of uh, aspire to do in all of our products, right? Okay. Whenever people say, oh, I'm getting into beauty, the first thing they think about, okay, creams, uh, gels, you know, whatever, uh, right? When we uh, told the board, I remember, right, that, hey, we're getting into beauty and we're going to start with ingestibles, right? The first question was, okay, is there any market for it? Is it large enough? But of course, as usual, our board is very supportive. And yeah, we grew to become the largest sort of uh, ingestible beauty product on Amazon today. Uh, so we are very... Uh, so, so quite uh, proud of
1: that. Yeah, amazing. Uh, you literally help customers to get that glow from within and uh, in a sustainable way. So I think <laughs> that is amazing. You uh, mentioned about Vertex and Fireside Ventures. For a new entrepreneur who is fundraising, how, what kind of uh, advice would you give him or her about finding a good you know, investor partner fit?
2: I think solving for uh, valuation backfires, Right primarily because the higher the valuation you take, the more pressure you put on yourself, right, to grow. Uh, If you've told, if you've taken a very, very high valuation, then basically the promise is that, oh, I'm going to grow 10x, right? Uh, But if you don't have the visibility, if you have the visibility to grow 10x, then by all means do it, right? If you know exactly what you're going to do. But in a consumer business like ours, right, I think 3x is the right, 2 to 3x is the right number, simply because, you know, you need to grow sustainably, you need to acquire customers sustainably, right? So we wanted to get get partners who understood that, bought into the vision and would support us throughout the vision. So, I think that was the key thing. Uh, I think beyond the personal connect with the investor uh, and the sharing of vision with the investor, I think just uh, understanding that what do you, being very clear about what do you expect from the investor. To what kind of support you expect, what kind of uh, sort of interaction you expect. Setting the expectations and making sure that you see eye to eye on those expectations. I think that was very, very important. Having a very open conversation, right? And very honest conversation. I think very often people don't have an honest conversation for whatever reason. But I think it is very important to be open and honest about expectations of each other uh, before you kind of start. Uh, so yeah, I think we've been lucky to have fantastic investors, including our last investor. And uh, I think they've kind of really bought into the vision that we've, uh, what you want to create and supported us throughout. So I think that's been great. we not solve for... Valuation, we always solve
1: for the connect. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about the valuation part because it could be a vanity matrix for founders. I'm glad that, you know, you kind of uh, demystified that. Um, and then for Vertex as well, we really believe in honest conversation with our founders because that's how we are able to see how we can add value. Is there an example, you know, of how Vertex or uh, Kanika, you know, being able to support you along the journey?
2: Yeah, I think multiple examples, uh, just a couple of that come to my mind, right? So, uh, you know, COVID was a time where uh, we saw a huge jump in immunity sales, right? And immunity was never a large category, but it became our a, a largest category, right? And then obviously it was a category that was getting the best return on investment, right? So obviously as COVID kind of grew, we were very conscious about it, that we wanted to make sure that we were never overselling, but still, uh, it became a large category for us. And it was where most of our acquisition funnels were targeted. However, one fine day, right, after the second wave kind of went away, now immunity rev- revenue just crashed. It went from like 10x to zero, month on month. And it was a big time for turmoil, a quick time of turmoil for the organization because we had built the organization for a certain scale. We suddenly lost almost 30% of our revenue, 40% of our revenue overnight, right? But you know, what I realized very quickly was that we need to take a step back, right? And we need to kind of look at our strategy again and we need a breather for that, right? We need to take the right decision and that we need a month where month or maybe even two months, you know, where things will be on the lower side. There's no point trying to push and get revenue. And then, you know, I went to the board uh, and obviously Kanika with the feedback. I thought the reaction would be very strong from their point. I am thinking, uh, you guys, you got to give me two months, right? Where we need to kind of reassess our strategy because immunity just followed off a cliff. And uh, they were extremely supportive, right? They turned around and said, yes, man, we get it. it. makes sense. We've got to do what's right for the company long-term. It's not about one month. It's about uh, six months, right? And honestly, at least, right, at that point, it would have not been unjustified for an investor to be like, no, you can't do this. A lot of investors would have done that, right? That, no, you have to worry. You cannot just lose revenue in two months, you know. If we had done that, we would have been in probably terrible shape today. But the ability to take that step back, right? And this was what, about two and a half years ago? right? We've grown since that time, since that, I would say almost 5x or 6x, nice. right? And because we took our time and we were given mm-hmm. that space and that freedom for my investors to take the right long-term decision, right? I think that's a, the example that comes to mind, right? Where we got a lot of support uh, from my investors, uh, it really worked
1: well I start to see a parallel, you know, between the other companies that I interviewed, for example, our Unicorn, PatSnap, there's always this kind of near-death experience. I- I'm not saying that Capiva <laughs> actually reached that stage, but uh, there is this yeah. time where they will take a step back and kind of reassess. And oftentimes, they, at- they actually come out stronger. And my last question, actually, I want to circle back to what you mentioned about vision. Tell us about your vision for Capiva
2: our vision is to improve healthcare outcomes uh, for millennials across the world using Ayurveda, right? That is the high level vision of the organization. But if I had to put it in a more poetic way, right? I think what we're looking to do is build the future of Ayurveda, right? So if you look at, let's say example of yoga, right? Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, it was very inaccessible. People didn't know what it was, but today yoga is a substitute for jogging. That's how widespread it is, right? I think Ayurveda can be the same, right? It has a lot to offer to the world, it can actually improve quality of life and healthcare outcomes for billions of people, not millions, right? And it can be a world-changing force for the better, especially in the world we live today. So we want to build that future. We want to make Ayurveda easier, more accessible, and global. And that's the vision that we have.
1: So thank you so much, Amir. You know, I learned a lot about being, becoming the best version of myself using Ayurvedic products. <laughs> and uh, definitely the hard truth that you mentioned of uh, running a business, all these are really valuable uh, information for you know, entrepreneurs hearing this so thank you so much for your time and
0: enjoy our conversation thank you
2: so much Elise. it was a pleasure being here thank you for your time
0: you. we hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we did before we close do remember to check out the podcast notes via the link in the episode description we have for you the entire episode transcript bite-sized summaries and a wealth of other resources and content that we're sure you'll love Also, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please do spread the word and give us a thumbs up. It would help others find the show and mean a lot to us. Thank you for joining us. This is Hot Truths by Vertex. See you next time.